It is good to be here in God's house to worship him, to, to remember who he is. Um, cool to see Jason Elam. I've never met Jason before, but 35 years ago, I did vacation Bible school at Greyhawk Reformed Church down in Anvil, Kentucky. I wasn't two years old, so that's, that's disappointing to me that 35 years ago, I can even say that I did something like that 35 years ago, but it is good. Um, we're in the middle of a series on our core values. And Pastor Trent preached last week about authenticity. And I love the core value of authenticity. And uh, I think it leads into what this passage says about empowerment. That's what we're going to talk about today. I think only when we're authentic about who we are uh, can God work in us and then use us to be the people that he wants us to be. And so our core value of empowerment says this. We believe that God wants to work in and through you. And if God has his hand in your life, we believe that God knows better than we do and we'll trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. Our job as leaders in this church is to come alongside and be part of what God is already doing. Now, in our world today, in big churches, um, you know, in Jason Elam's church, he's the pastor, and, and those 75 people, they all have to be a part of making everything happen. But, but sometimes in a big church today, we think, okay, we've hired a staff, and it's their job to do all the ministry stuff. And I just want to tell you, that's, that's not true. Uh, that's not how God wants to do things, and that's not how the church is best at what it does. We're a big church, but we don't want it to be that way. Our goal is to develop leaders in order to saturate this area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I get to be a part of that sometimes. I left a meeting Tuesday night. Our mission team met. A bunch of years ago, uh, the mission team would meet and I would say, I think we should do this. And they would nod their heads. And I think what they meant was, go ahead and go do that. And that's not what we want it to be about. And we've worked really hard to live this, uh, this empowerment value out. And Tuesday night we had a meeting and I feel like my role is now to, to equip them. And, and now what they're, they're talking about is we want to equip the congregation uh, to do these things in the area of mission. And so there was, for me, when I left, just an excitement about where we're going. And uh, I was excited about this message because uh, this passage, I think, says who we're supposed to be. This, this is what is the basis of our core value of empowerment. And so these words, I, I like to see your faces and I need glasses to do that. But to read this font here, I can't use those glasses. This is Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. And it says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The Church of Jesus Christ needs to be unified around that understanding. In God, we are united. 
And then he says this, but to each of us, God, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now that's basically, he, he descended, Jesus came down to earth as the son of God, born of the Virgin Mary. He came down to earth to live the perfect life and then pay a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And then he ascended back into heaven after he rose and from there, he sends his Holy Spirit. And that's where the gifts come from. The Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, that's the power that lives in us. That's the power that when Jesus ascended, he sent to us. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is what God wants for us, is for us to grow up to maturity, attaining the whole measure of fullness. Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead... Speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, that's one sentence. Paul doesn't do punctuation very well. That's what God wants from us. He wants the body of Christ to be built up. He gave grace to each one of us so that that could happen. In Ephesians 1 through 3, Paul goes about telling the church of Ephesus and telling us who we are. I want to give you homework. Go home. Sometime this week, pull out Ephesians and read the first three chapters. Last week, Saturday night, my family and some friends, we watched uh, Overcomer, and I recommended it to you last week. Uh, I said you should go see it. If you did, then you'll know there's a scene where Priscilla Shire's character, she's the principal at the school, and there's this young lady who's lost, and she's trying to find her way and figure out who she is, and the principal shares the gospel with her. I know that's probably illegal, but tough luck. I know some principals who do that. Don't tell anyone. But anyway, the principal shares the gospel with her and she says, go home and read Ephesians 1 and 2 and write down wherever it says, what does God say about you? I'm adding an, a whole nother chapter for you to look into. So three chapters. I want to challenge you. Do that. See who God says that you are. Because after he says that, that's when he says, I have work for you. I want to give you a hint. Some of the things he says about you in those chapters, you are called, you are filled, you are alive, you are his handiwork, you are members of his household. You are a dwelling in which his spirit lives. And Paul says, I pray that you may know how much God loves you. Yes, you are God's beloved. 
And because of who you are, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now that, that word that's translated live, I don't remember a lot of words in Greek from when I was in seminary. I think it was 2005, maybe 2004 when I took Greek. But uh, I do remember this word, peripateo. I don't know why. Sometimes those things just stick in your mind. But it really is, it's live, but it's walking around. It's, it's just in your everyday life, in the way that you are. Live a life worthy of the calling that you received. Because to each of us, grace is given. He gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Those are often thought of as the roles of of the leadership of the church. The apostles and the prophets uh, were people in biblical times. The apostles were the people who saw Jesus, uh, the 12 disciples and the apostle Paul, people who saw the risen Jesus. And the job of the apostle is to make known the will of God. No, that's the job of the prophet. The, uh, the apostle is supposed to be the visionary who reminds God's people who they are and whose they are. You know anybody who ever reminds you who you are and whose you are? The person in our church with the apostolic uh, gift is Pastor Trent. We've called him here to be the one who goes into God's word and he reminds us who we are and whose we are. He is the one who is supposed to be the most prophetic in our midst. He tells us what the will of God is for us. That's what we do when we open up scripture on a weekly basis. Our core values are what help us do this. Trent continues to point us back to our core values. That's part of his role. God gave him to do that, to make sure that our language creates a culture where we have an identity and values. So in our preaching, we lay out those things, who you are and whose you are. Another thing that Trent talks about a lot, something that he wants in our language is there's no such thing as a good Christian. You are either a Christian or you're not. Someone who believes in Jesus. Now, some days are good days and some days are bad days, but If you believe in Jesus and you're trying to follow after him, you're a Christian. Trent also says you need to have a walking, talking, knowing, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. These are the things that we need to be about on a regular basis. And he talked to us last week about authenticity. We're a mess. I'm a mess. He's a mess. But God is using us. And so he gave some to be apostles and prophets. He gave some to be evangelists. If you know Pastor Greg, Trent says he could talk to a doorknob. He, he may have invited a doorknob to come to church at some point, but Greg believes that part of his God-given gift is to go out into the world and talk to anyone he knows, anyone he comes in contact with, and make sure that they know that there's a place in God's church for them whether it's here at community or somewhere else. He says to people, you're at home here. He's an evangelist. Now, we're all supposed to do the work of evangelists, but Greg has been specifically gifted in that area. And then it says he gave some to be pastors and teachers. Those are shepherds. And what I believe is my gifting is that I'm supposed to come alongside people 
and shepherd them and encourage them and try to get them to a place where they would figure out who God wants them to be and how they're supposed to serve God in this church. So he gave some to do those roles and the rest of the staff here has part of those roles to equip God's people for works of service. It's actually a long prepositional phrase that Paul uses. He gave those gifts toward the equipping of God's people unto a work of service, unto building up the body of Christ. That is what we are supposed to be about here. Pastor Nate was here two weeks ago and he said, you are ambassadors. He made you repeat after him and I'm going to do it as well. I want you to say, I am an ambassador. I am an ambassador. Yes, you are. And you are called to be an ambassador, to go show someone somewhere the truth about God. And how do we do that? What do we need to be like in order to do that? Paul breaks it down for us. He says, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This week I was working on this passage, and it was working on me, and I was in the NIV Life Application Commentary, and the writer of that commentary, I felt like he was writing things to me, but I think he's writing them to you as well, and he broke down these four things. He said, what is humility? Humility is getting rid of self-centeredness. It's not about me. It's not about having things my way. He says, my way is an enemy to Christian maturity. And so people who want to be ambassadors need to be about building humility into their life. And in some of the things that I've been working on and some of the things that God's been working on, I've realized that I have a pride piece in my life that I need to work on, that I need to put away. I have not been a person marked by humility in some areas in my life. And then the writer said, pastors should be first in line to learn about and exercise humility. Hit me right between the eyes. Then he moved on to gentleness. Gentleness is getting rid of harshness and violence and anger in our lives, in our tone, in our voice. This, this quote, somebody was talking, Beth was talking to me about this quote. It hit her and she wanted to know where it was and it's hit me. So I'm just going to read it to you. It says, gentleness conveys a sensitivity a desire not to harm, a valuing of the other person. While gentleness is important in our relations, in all our relations, including the workplace and church, possibly the arena in which gentleness is most needed is within the family. So much emotional and physical damage is done within the context that should be the most loving. Children and spouses are crushed by harsh and demeaning language, and by anger. We can say we meant nothing by it, but the damage will have irreparably been done. And Christian homes are sometimes among the worst offenders. We need to see family members as if they were marked fragile, handled with care. Gentleness nurtures people, respects them, and allows them to drop their defenses and deal more objectively with the issues. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit said, there are some times in your life where you are the last, you were so far away from gentle. And it hurt me. Moved on to patience. 
In order to have patience, we must give up our agenda. A lack of patience reflects the condition of our soul. What does it say when I say I want my way and I want it now? And then tolerant love. He said in order to have tolerant love, we must renounce our rights. Love is a choice. The act of caring enough to give attention to others. We need to be marked. Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and bearing with one another in love. And I just want to be honest. There are some times in my life that I'm not. And his word works in my life and says, that's not who I want to be. I've said I'm pretty good if I compare myself to others. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I can blame somebody else, my kids, my wife, the driver in front of me, whatever. But that's my pride. I've said I'm working on it, but my actions haven't always shown that conversion. I've not been marked by humility, gentleness, patience, and tolerant love. I'm selfish and harsh and frustrated and indifferent. And it took some people in my life and a, and, and a book that I'm reading and this passage and my wife just being honest with me about some things for me to get it. It's been an idol in my life and, and it has to die. And it's uncomfortable to share, but it's true. And you might ask, why are you telling us this? It's because I believe that authenticity must mark our church. I believe that we all have stuff in our lives that's like that. That if scripture digs into you, that you'll, that you'll find out I'm not gentle or I'm not patient. I'm not, I'm not tolerant. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm harsh. So I want you to know you're not alone in this. And I want you to know that God wants to bring us through this. I meet with people quite often in my work. I, God will whisper a name or a person and say, you should sit down with that person. You see leadership gifts in that person. And maybe you have lunch with them or talk with them in your office and see. Maybe, maybe you could encourage them towards something that God would like them to do in the kingdom. And I'll meet with those people. And oftentimes they will, they will reply, they're not qualified. They have a struggle. They have a barrier. They have a roadblock. They can't lead. They're not ready. They have stuff in their life that disqualifies them. I just want to point to, I got stuff in my life. I don't think it disqualifies me. I think David in the Bible, had stuff in his life. He was a murderer and an adulterer, but it did not disqualify him from being a man after God's own heart. And Peter denied Jesus, and it didn't disqualify him. And Moses murdered someone, and he stuttered, and it did not disqualify him. Rahab was a prostitute. Paul, Paul persecuted and killed Christians, and it did not disqualify him from becoming an ambassador for Jesus that wrote most of the New Testament. So people of God, I just want to tell you, God has a place for you. He's given you a gift to use in his kingdom. And he will not let something from your past disqualify you for work 
in his future. Now, you got to work on it. You got to get at it. You got to get through it. You got to find some people that you share that with. But God wants you to be his ambassador. He has a plan. And I don't think you can experience life the way God intended it until you're doing that thing that he made you to do for his kingdom. The feeling I had leaving the meeting on Tuesday night, I think that's the feeling that God wants all of us to have in his kingdom. God has called us to be his church in this area. So we need to meet him where he is at work. And so we want to equip you. So if you're interested, call me, call one of the other staff and say, I'd like to sit down and and explore what that looks like. I'd like to talk about the thing in my life that's a barrier. And maybe we could work on that together. Come to training ground, men, tonight. It's going to be a great time for men to talk about what does it mean to be men of God? And what does it mean that we're not perfect? Might be Costco cake there, so that's a good thing too. Um, But it's going to be a great time of training. I'd encourage you, 6.30 to 8 tonight. Women, fresh ground of faith, Bible studies, there's all kinds of opportunities. Wednesdays, three classes right now for us to grow and be equipped to do what God has called us to do. It's exciting when that happens. I want to just tell you some stories. We call it celebrating wins. We do it at consistory meetings and elders meetings and and, uh, leadership team meetings and executive team meetings and staff meetings sometimes. What is God up to in this community? About four or five years ago, every new members class, I try to share with people kind of some of this, that God has something that he wants you to do. When you become a member, yes, you get a mailbox and yes, uh, Um, you can, in two years, you can be on consistory. But what we really want you to do is find a place to plug in. And I encourage people to call me and we can work on what that is. And a few years ago, somebody called me and they said, I'd like to figure out where my gifts are and how I can use those. Uh, And Shannon came and we talked and she was good at food and people. Those were her gifts. And so we plugged her in at the mobile food pantry on Thursdays, and now she's an ambassador to folks who are hungry in our community the first Thursday of every month at the mobile food pantry. And I can tell by the smile on her face that she gets life from that. She enjoys being used by God in that way. And there are many people who come out to the mobile food pantry who are being used in that way. And I want to encourage you, you should come join us. Emily Van Heuklem and Courtney Tiemann uh, they went through Team World Vision, and now they're leading a group. There are 30 people who are walking or running next week. They raised over $12,000. They're ambassadors to folks who need clean water, and they're also a group of people who, who've become a family together. Just some folks who've said, hey, can we do this? And we say, yeah, we'd love to empower you to do that. Joyce Slider came to Pastor Doug and I and said, Every time a kid is baptized, I'd like to start a ministry where somebody from the church would become an ambassador to pray for that youngster and their family. And Joyce now takes a card. Next week, there's a baptism in in Breakwater, and there'll be a card where somebody can be a prayer partner for that little one, for Byron, and they can pray for him and for his family. George and Sally Zuvering did that for a youngster. And then they said, you know what, we're, we're hospitality ambassadors too. And so we would like to, we'd like to meet those people and, and figure out how to pray for them. And I facilitated a meeting and it was this beautiful time where, where 
they were being the body of Christ in a way that, that I can't do. And that's what God wants to do. We have all kinds of hospitality ambassadors and we need dozens more. Kyle Burstman's out there shaking hands all the time. He's good at it. I see you back there. He gives people the left hand because he's got some trouble with his right hand too. But Kyle has embraced being an ambassador of hospitality. They're ordinary people doing little things that become extraordinary because that's what God wants us to do. So I want to encourage you, each of you, find a way to do your part. Find out where you can be plugged in. We got a family service night coming up, October 22. There's some Harvestan gift baskets. You and your family can bless a family that's in need this Thanksgiving. There's a new ministry called Family Promise. I don't know if you knew this, but housing is a difficult thing for many in our area. And there's a group that's been meeting in Grand Rapids for years, and now they're here. Uh, and community wants to be a part of this where we use our facility for a place for folks to live for a week just in the evenings, but we need some people to be a part of a task force and to bring meals and to uh, stay overnight. And so come see myself or Corey Olson if you're interested in that. And there's a cool football game going on Friday. I don't know if you know there's a big football game Friday, right? It's not the one you're thinking of. It's called Empowered 2.0. Kids with special needs in our community. And I'm gonna cry because my kid is really good at this. And I saw somebody else nodding their head going, that's an awesome thing. Special needs kids in our community are gonna come together and play football on Friday at 4.45 at the stadium. And I'd love for a bunch of you to come and be ambassadors of joy. Just cheer for them. Now, most of them are gonna cheer for themselves because it's a joy for them, but it would be great. The cheerleaders are gonna be there. Kids from the freshman and JV football teams are gonna be there. Their links are gonna be there. It's an awesome program, and I think we should come out. I made the plea at the other services. We, we said we were gonna pay for their jerseys, um, and I asked if some people might, might help us be ambassadors of finance, but it's too late because people already came and they're taken care of now. But it's a cool thing. That's what we want to be about. One last thing. There's a little guy, a fourth grader, who needs a mentor. Um, he goes to Woodbridge. It's a tough situation. Kevin Veening from Zero Gravity said, let your congregation know. somebody. We need somebody to sit down with this young man and love this young man. God has a place for you. The church is only the church when each part does its work. No one's too young. No one's too old. God has gifted us. We have 32 groups that we, that we send money to on a regular basis. Grace Covenant Ministry is just one of those. Um, but we would love to have people be ambassadors for each one of those groups. So people of God, I just want you to pray. I want you to go through Ephesians, look at who you are, and then figure out where does God want to plug you in? Because that's when the body of Christ is at its best. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the power of the spirit that lives in us. Lord, you have gifted us and you have called us. And Lord, I know there are struggles in this world and there are places where we are not who you call us to be. But Lord, you forgive us, you cleanse us, you transform us, and then you send us out. Lord, we gather here and it is amazing to sing your praises. But Lord, a big reason why we're here is to be equipped to be sent. And so, Lord, go with us. 
as we leave this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. By the power of the Holy Spirit, for God's glory. Amen. You are his beloved, and you are called to be his body. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his face to you and smile at you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen. Go in peace.